Hi, my name is Stephanie Young. And I'm Brianna Armstrong. And we're the founders of Skypaws. Skypaws, okay. So let's let's break that down. What's Skypaws? (laughs) Skypaws is a wireless real-time vital monitoring device for veterinary medicine. It's an all-in-one device that measures ECG, SpO2, heart rate, temperature, and respiration. It's specifically for in-hospital use, kind of around surgical procedures, um, for things like critical patients, patients that are in recovery, um, and the reason that we developed this device is because is from an experience that Stephanie had when she was in high school. Yeah, so this started all the way back to my senior year of high school. Um, I was working at a veterinary clinic back in my hometown, and we had a dog come in. I will never forget his name. It was Charlie. Charlie was going under a routine procedure, um, and the surgery went without any complications. And so after Charlie woke up, we decided to put him in a kennel and to check on him every once in a while to make sure that he was doing okay, which is common because when you put vitals monitoring equipment on animals in a cage you can't ask them to not chew through them or rip them off because they're They're dogs um so about five minutes later i was mopping and i walked by charlie's kennel and noticed that he was unusually still and knowing that probably wasn't good i called a veterinarian over and he wasn't breathing and so at that moment the whole clinic just flew into a frenzy charlie was being pulled out of the kennel the code kit was being pulled out and the veterinarian performed cpr but sadly charlie had passed away Um, I think one of the hardest things about that situation was listening to the veterinarian talk to the owner and say, you know, Charlie isn't okay and he isn't going home and I'm sorry. Um, and so I tried to research if there were anything that could have prevented that. Um, and there really wasn't anything besides, you know, a vet tech sitting there staring at the animal and seeing if something happens. So that's when I created Sky Paws as an idea, um, for a science fair project. And then... (laughs) Um, we did okay. I mean, we got third in the state, which is pretty good. Yeah, we did okay. Um, got third. It's no big deal. <laughs> well, it's, okay. it's not like actually third place. It's like third in your subdivision, so it's like notable. But oh, so inside, I've never been that far. So like, oh, know, uh, yeah, like different divisions. Yeah, so okay. this was the biomedical engineering division, but also like everyone had a cure for cancer there of some kind. So like they, they are all smart. <laughs> I got by with some three D printing and a big housing unit, like. It was really ugly looking. Um, So then I came to college, and I thought that inventors were old guys with beards, and I was not that, so I was just going to be a college girl. Um, (laughs) The semester goes by, and I can't get over SkyPaws. And so I ended up with meeting uh, with the head of innovation at the vet school at the time, Dr. Massacre. And, uh, is he an old guy with a beard? No, he's not. He's actually he's very bald. He's, <laughs> he's like a younger, younger, guy. yeah. <laughs> really, really hip, really cool. He's breaking the stereotypes. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, philosophy major. Yeah. Like, oh, the, even better. I know. Even yeah. Better. <laughs> so um, he put uh, put me in the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy, and that's where I met Bree. Yeah. But <laughs> we knew of each other, but nothing about each other. And so around that time, the Vet Prep Idea Competition was um, a thing, and I was like, I want to submit Skypaws. But the biggest issue was that in big, bold letters, it said, for vet school students only. Ah. And so I said, what's the worst that could happen? And I applied anyway. And so just to see if I got in, um, they looked me up and realized I wasn't a vet school student. And so I had gotten in, but they said, hey, you're going to be disqualified unless you find a vet school student in the next 72 hours. And so then <laughs> I go to Dr. Massacre again and I go, I don't know what to do. I'm just going <clears> to <throat> not be at the competition. I'm not going to get any money. Like, I don't know what to do. And he pointed me to Bree, who was interning under him through the VEA. Mm-hmm. So uh, we met, and I, I loved her idea. And to backtrack a little bit, the you know, 
in when she came up with this idea, the dog was in recovery and it didn't have any equipment on it. And the reason that we don't have equipment on, on dogs is what she mentioned earlier, which is that, you know, in, in human medicine, I can tell you to leave them alone and we need those on you because if something happens, we need to know. But for your dog, who's just wants it off of them, when they're awake and in recovery, it's gonna get tangled, they're gonna get pulled off. So currently the standard of care is to just visually monitor them okay. which results in lapse of time when they're not being looked at and thus things can happen and some of them can be horrific and so um and so when stephanie came to me with this she's you know she was like i want to i have this idea wireless monitoring and at first it was just spo2 and heart rate and mm -hmm. i said you know like why stop there let's do everything and so um there are devices like this on the human side that are being developed at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And usually veterinary medicine is like five to 10 years behind human medicine. And for the first time, like we're developing uh, some technology that is at the same uh, point in time as human really? med. Okay. Yeah, so um, it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so we went through that competition and at that point we'd only, so we'd only had a provisional patent and our, you know, LLC like initialization. Um, and so we went through the competition and we ended up getting first, which is really good. It was our first, like... Huge win. Yeah, huge win. Um, <laughs> it was the first attempt in their first year. Right? <laughs> 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 that was just wanting. Like, um, it was a $10,000 prize. Oh, yes. Boy. Which got us really moving. Yes, got, got some legal fees underneath there. We, like, actually signed ourselves in. Because at that point, I had put my mom and I on the LLC because I was like, if I just had myself, it's a sole proprietorship and I don't want to do it by myself. <laughs> I wasn't quite in the picture yet whenever no, she did yeah. that. So yeah. yeah, that was when I, that was a su that summer. Yeah. Right before. Um, but yeah, so we did that and then, um, we had our second competition, which like was a week later. <laughs> yep. Which was Aggie pitch. Um, one of the worst pitches we've ever given. Literally. <laughs> the worst pitch. We came pitch. out of that. We were like, that was so bad. <laughs> And yeah, we, we had some ideas in our head. Like we had, uh, the McFerrin Center was very gracious to give us a pitch coach, which was like really great. Yeah, awesome. He has a Broadway background. I kind of have a theater background. So like when I heard him say some things, I was envisioning like a spotlight on us and like <laughs> dramatic music in the back, like amazing theatrics. And so <laughs> we basically pitched like that. Without the theatrics. <laughs> so there, there was no spot. Like at one point we took a dramatic pause and people thought we were done with our pitch and started clapping. And we still had like the, the very like punchline and people were clapping and so we looked at each other and then I just like said it and then everyone was like, wait, what? And then I said, uh, any questions? And then it was so bad. So um, we ended up still getting fifth though, which is... And five grand. Yeah, and five grand, which is miraculous, miraculous honestly. And then the next day... We were at the Veterinary Innovation Summit. Not quite the next day, but... Eh, two days. Three yeah, days later. Yeah. It was the, that weekend. All within, like, two weeks span. <laughs> Why is this all within? Wait, I have another question. So, like, during all these competitions and everything, like, how's the business process going? Are you guys still, like, filing for, like, business stuff? Or is it, like, already set up? Or? Yeah, so when we were going through... The first competition we did, the competition was at the end of the program. And it was really, like, an accelerator program. Mm -hmm. And so through that, we, we made our business plan. Um, we had a business model canvas. We had kind of flushed out what our financials would look like mm -hmm. whenever we put the product together. Um, we had some engineers, some student engineers that were working with us. So we had like a functional, a semi-functional prototype at the time. Mm -hmm. And so we did all of that and then competitions hit. And so we, mm -hmm. and then we happened to like, we, we won the idea competition <clears throat> and we were, I think that was the first time that we had gotten like significant validation from mm -hmm. the veterinary community. And we were like, okay, 
maybe we can do something with this. Right. And so then we did Aggie Pitch and we were like, wow, we need to be better at pitching. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then the Veterinary Innovation Summit, which is a conference that happens here at Texas A&M College of Veterinary Medicine, happened. And we had, um, we applied to be one of the startup companies in their like main hallway because mm -hmm. it's an innovation and entrepreneurship conference. Right. Um, and so all these veterinarians from all over the country, even um, nationally, because there were some people from Europe uh, that Ooh. were also came in. It's a big conference. Wow. I mean, okay, so the conference is only, I think there's three to 400 participants, but it is like one of the only conferences like that so in, like the, really in the world. Yeah. Not exactly. Yeah. So we applied, got in as a startup company, and then made it into the final five for the pitch competition, Ooh. which was another $10,000 pitch oh, competition. Wait, oh so caveat though, let yeah. me explain. <laughs> Slow down, pause. Everyone else in this startup hall is on the market, has like oh. made oh. sales, like way further than us. Like, just like scientific research. Yeah, like we were not at par with any like these um, like we these were people we like looked up to and, and we like, were we still honest do. about it like yeah. we said you know we don't have a product yet uh this is our plan here's our here's our 3d printed prototypes like this is what we have this is our idea all we need you know funding is really the next step yeah so, so they knew that okay they, they pretty they knew that and then we get to the pitch and again they're on the market they've done these pitches before at like a dime a dozen they're they're gonna win in our heads like we're like yeah you know we're, we're just like, gonna go in we're going exposure. in for the exposure like that's why we're here like mm -hmm. we're the babies like we need to learn from these people um and like we're still <laughs> learning from them but um yeah so we went in and we said you know what? we're just gonna have fun you know like i have friends from mars that are here like you know dr massacre's there like everyone's there and we're just so excited um and we knew we were so bad at pitching from like we got a reality check from aggie pitch uh -huh. that we were like you know what we're just gonna have fun. Let's revamp it. And have so fun. <laughs> we practiced like an hour before in the back of our like, so our booth is up here and we had this big like Skypod sign that um, we ordered on Vistaprint. We looked professional. We looked very professional. Um, and so we're like huddled behind the sign like trying to run through our lines and like try to like at least get our nerves down a little bit. And so we go in there and we are the second to last. Mm hmm team to pitch and also like there were 15 in the hall so it's from the 15 that were already in market and like amazing and then it's five and i don't know how the heck we got into the five but we did um and so we pitch and it was the most like seamless Ugh. easy like invigorating pitch we've ever given oh, like yeah. like we didn't even need the theatrics like it was just so, like i think it was because we were so relaxed and so like you just focus on what having happens? fun. Like, exactly. just trying to push me out. Like, our best pitch. Our best, I, even to this day, like, our best pitch that we've ever given. Mm -hmm. um, and so we got the competition. Not, well, like, we got, like, pitching. And um, we sat down, and her and I are just staring at each other, like, did we just do that? <laughs> but, I mean, we got applause. Like, people were awake. Like, we were really excited. Is there a video recording of this anywhere? Yes. yes. There is. Like, a pretty good one, too, I think. Yeah. Wait, it's, so, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Good. I was just going to ask, how many people are, like, watching this? Is it just judges, or is it, like, a no, whole this audience? This is a whole like audience. Like, people. Oh, yeah. my God. Oh, <laughs> that changes a lot. Yeah. I, I was thinking this is, like, a small room. Like, like, like American Idol. Like, like, they're in front of a cardboard thing. No, no, no. Okay, so, first pitch, there were... So, the idea. The idea competition was um maybe like 350 yeah, 250 300 people. people um and the audience could ask questions which was amazing so great um and then the second pitch was aggie pitch and the audience was pretty much the other competitors like 50 to yeah 50 75 somewhere in there 
And then VIS was like 400 people. And it was up for 50. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they start announcing, and only first place gets a 10,000. Like all the other places are non existent. Like it's just first place, oh. so you're not anything, which is great. Like we were like, we're not going to get first and we're going to chill. Um, and then we got first. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> like, and yeah, so. I don't. I think in the video, Brie and I just go like, "What? The- Are you sure you said that right?" <laughs> and this is against like the people with the stuff on the market and everything. Yes. So I think what it boiled down to is it truly was a pitch competition. Mm-hmm. Like, how well uh, see. did you pitch? And they idea? wrote too hard on that. And probably. the we the other pit like the other companies. There was probably one other pitch that was also really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they, I think their next thought was who needs the money yeah and and it's like and so in order for and that money has really taken us um, yeah you know has really helped us move forward with our um, non-provisional patent filings and then our pct international filings mm. and then getting us through um some of our other because uh, we're using lawyer like a patent lawyer yeah. for that kind of stuff so um that's really helped us move through some of those other phases mm. of just like how, getting the bone structure how long ago was this Last semester. Last spring. Oh, last spring? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's because we're in the spring now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, yeah. yeah. So, last year. Yeah. Okay. No. So, like, out of all this stuff that's been going on, like, what's been the biggest, like, learning, I guess, process? Or, like, what's the thing you've learned the most, like, just out of anything that's going on? Oh, so, the thing is, is that, like, and Stephanie had a little bit more knowledge going in than I did, but I knew nothing about entrepreneurship, the lean startup method. Like, I had didn't know the first thing about starting a company. And so... Everything has been learning. <laughs> really? Like learning as you go. See, I wasn't under that impression. You were talking about these contracts and pay for these things. I was like, yeah, I have no clue. What these were all learned on the fly. And like, wow. These pitch That's competitions impressive. are a great highlight, but I think it's also important to just kind of like bring up to perspective the lows we've had too, because yeah. there have been times where Brie and I were like, we don't know what to do. Like, we went to our lawyers and they were like, ah, you're screwed. Like, I don't know. Really? Like, I mean, just, not that extreme. Not, not like we're going <laughs> to fail screwed, but it's like, I don't. Like, some certain things, like, taxes have been a huge thing. Like, I've never filed taxes. I'm not an adult. Um, <laughs> but we have gone on this process of, like, oh, well, now you have an LLC, so you got to file taxes. And yeah. you're you're in charge of it as the founders, so therefore you need to be in mm. charge of making sure it does happen. Yeah. Um, and there's been, like, I think we've pitched, other than pitch competitions, to some investors, some venture capitalists, and a lot of it has been no. Mainly because... Of a few different things, like both Brie and I are young, we don't have adult experience yet, <laughs> mm-hmm. and so they're like they're very hesitant. And you know, it's really cool because I know a lot of these um, venture capitalist investors are only saying no because they want to see them be themselves be proved wrong and say, okay, I want to be with you on the next step, but you've got to show me that you can get there. Yeah, and I think every time we hear a no, it's usually because you're too young and you're not full time, and like mm-hmm. you 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 can't possibly do this, right? But then at the same time we get we get the op- total opposite, which mm-hmm. is like this is incredible. You need to do this. Like keep going. We want to see you succeed, and and it's you really have something that you can be successful here with this idea. And so um, it's been sometimes it's kind of a yo-yo back and forth. Mm-hmm. And um, like we another low was some you know when you're working with other people, mm-hmm. if you don't have your ducks in a row legally, that can come back yeah. to bite you in the yeah. butt. And yeah. so we had some issues with that. Um, that are like have since been resolved or are being resolved and so it's just um it gets complicated yeah the further along you go and so but it's you just have to keep learning and keep yeah 
improving and being better, you know? It's definitely learning on the fly. I mean, there's, there's been a lot of situations where I didn't think that I could be able to do what we're doing during school. Um, like this past semester, I flew out to LA for a whole week, which oh. is great. I learned a lot. It was for a lot what, of, though, you guys oh yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's important. Yeah, I just went to LA. Yeah, I just went on vacation during school. No big deal. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually incredible. What we, oh, sorry. What we, it's incredible what we got, um, asked to go do. And, and so we were invited by, so Mars Pet Care also has a, um, incubator startup type sector to mm-hmm. it um and we were invited to their first ever boot camp as one of the first like some of the female founders in the pet care space oh, wow. mm. so it was a week-long boot camp is the most appropriate word <laughs> um, <laughs> not a lot of sleep but a lot of learning and um one thing that was very scary because Brie couldn't go because mm-hmm. of vet school like there's zero leeway with that and then for me it was the middle of second testing round um so I've never been one to be best friends with my professors or everyone to like ask nicely to do stuff. Like I'm either like, I'm either just going to skip class or, you know, pay for it later. But it was second testing round. It was second testing round. So there was no way I could just like skip and maybe like fix it later. Um, so I ended up stepping out of that comfort zone and like meeting with all my professors and saying, look, like I know this sounds crazy and I know that I'm very inferior to you, but can I please just get a makeup test or something? And so like all the professors that I've been to and my freshman self would have never believed that they were as nice as they were um, and as willing to see students succeed. And I think that's one thing I've really learned is that it sucked. It doesn't suck. It's hard to run a startup in college, but the professors and the mentors around you want to see you succeed. Yeah. And it's not like a big, scary monster anymore for me. Like I, with all my professors now, if there is something that I just got to go for, um, they're very understanding, which is really cool. And I'm still in classes that aren't, I mean, they're not my major specific classes. So it's cool to see that across the different, you know, chemistries and biologies and maths and all those. So, yeah. And so you said it was a um, week long, Week long. In California. In California. And how was it? I It was amazing. So we went, um, I think one thing that was exciting is that it was all female. Really? Um, it is really difficult, especially in the pet care space, because it's also very male dominated in the Actually, business yeah, side. You, you, like the first thing you mentioned was the demographics of the field. And so at these startups and at these pitches, is it similar? Old, it's like, mostly male. Okay. Like, yeah. And to have two females <laughs> on one company is very rare, okay. which is, I mean, I'm fine with that. You're starting to see females start to, cause the veterinary industry itself now these days mm-hmm. is very female heavy as far mm-hmm. as DB, like veterinarians go. Yes. And so I think as, um, people see entrepreneurship in the veterinary space as more attainable and achievable and for everyone that you're going to start seeing more female founders of ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So it was really great to just be surrounded by females and like we've all gotten no's just because of our gender before. Like it's, it's a given. Mm-hmm. And so being able to have that community that's like, yeah, they said no, but here are some people that could tell you yes. Mm-hmm. And here are some people that um, I can help you meet. Here's like with me, the hardest thing was the structure for the LLC and the taxes and all of those. Right. A lot of them have been through that already. And they were uh, like, let me show you how this works. Let me, let me point you in the direction you need to go, even though we don't live in the same state. Um, awesome. which is absolutely amazing. So it, I mean, it wasn't just a networking aspect, but 
they brought in speakers from different colleges. They brought in VCs. They brought in investors and they said, tell them what you want to see. And so like investors were like, here's what I like in pitches. And here's what I absolutely hate. Here's what you should say. And here's what you shouldn't. And, um, even down to the things of like working with co-founders, um, the author, yeah, the author of Founders Dilemma or the professor that teaches at USC came down and she basically was like, let me tell you why you should be strict here and why you shouldn't be strict here. And very much like have your ducks in a row legally before you just start handing things to people because then things don't work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I think that week just skyrocketed my knowledge of business and my knowledge of being able to handle what we have. Um, so yeah. That's awesome. And so you said it was with Mars. Are they known as being one of those like diversity forward kind of? Oh yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Mars is one of those companies I look to for the diversity of it. Um, I've never been in, like I've interned with them, um, these past two summers. I'm still working for them currently. And I'm not saying this just because I'm working for them, (laughs) but it's one of the most diversity forward, like big corporate companies that I have ever been a part of. Um, they like, it's, they're not like we're diverse and then kind of like hide whatever they're doing. They're very much like you, what you see is what you get. Yeah. And we're here for the person and it's great. No, yeah. Cause I, I, I'm, I'm an engineering major, but I do want to get into patent law, which is actually kind of funny. And, um, I see all these companies that are like diversity inclusion. And then I look mm-hmm. at their are people slide and it's all just all <laughs> like white men. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's absolutely great. Like that's that's totally what I want. But no, yeah, I love that, and I want to see. Do you guys know anything about Mars? I was gonna ask, but I was too afraid to ask. I was yeah, like, I feel I like know. I should know this. No, no. So there's that doesn't ring a bell for anything. Mars? Are you talking like? Is candy? it like the candy? Yeah. Oh, oh, really? Oh, okay. Cool. I was like, I was like, I really don't want to say the candy because we're talking about veterinary and stuff. Yeah, no. So they, it's, it's the same exact wow. company. They started okay. with candy at the same time they started with pet stuff. And Wait, so they do pet stuff. Exactly. So they own about ten percent of the veterinary hospital market, which is uh, amazing. They also have a ton of hand pet food, so Pedigree, Iams, Royal Cannon, uh, okay. Temptations, Cat Treats, Little Caesars, okay. little bowl things. Um. And then they also have um, Whistle, which is a wearable um, device for dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they have a huge hand in the pet sphere. So was it like they were into pets first and then the candy? or you said They the were there time? about the same time. Oh, okay. So the That's same really time someone started making chocolate, the family started making chocolate, the Mars family, at the same time one of them started making dog food. Or like uh, pet biscuits. So was it like things. two different people? And then it was just like same family. Them. Oh, okay. So same family. Yeah. Okay, I see. I'm just trying to figure out, like, how did that even happen? Like, why do you have candy and yeah, pets? It's so weird because, like, the Puma, what is it, Puma and Adidas, yes. they're brothers. They separated off into different opinions after the war. <laughs> after the war? Okay. Oh, wait, that, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be reasonable. That, that's, yeah. that's reasonable. <laughs> but no, I like Mars kept it all in the same family. It's awesome. Yeah, usually it's weird when I tell people that because then they're like, wait, the same people who make the candy that I'm eating make dog food? And I'm like, it's separate factors. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's, not, the it's not the same. It's not the same. It's like, the same taste the left bar and the right bar. <laughs> they're separate. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But also not an ad. <laughs> not an ad. Yeah, not not an ad. So this is like a little bit off topic, but yeah. I, I've had questions about like dog food in general. Is dog food bad for dogs? Like I've seen people say you shouldn't feed your dogs dog food. No, it is not bad for dogs. It's, just, it, it's so nasty. Like how there I feel are... awful like giving it to my dog. Why? No, there are. I wouldn't eat it. It looks. It's kind of nasty. It's formulated uh-huh. for 
specifically the requirements that your pet needs. Mm. And so all the, the nutrition that your dog needs is a little bit different than the nutrition that you need. Mm -hmm. And so um, the top four brands that we recommend in the veterinary industry are Purina, Royal Canin, Hills or Science Diet, and then mm. Imes or Yukonuba. And um, those four major brands meet all of the nutrition requirements and standards mm. um, that we qualify for, for veterinary medicine. And so um, those brands are the have the highest quality. They're the safest. They have veterinary nutritionists on staff. Like those pet foods are made like really research, research forward. Very okay. research. Like you can mm -hmm. find their research papers mm -hmm. on their food products. Like they actually do scientific research to back their stuff up. And so um, where... It, I, it's, I can see the logic behind, I want to, it's just I want to like boil chicken and rice for my dog. The problem is, is that when you, when that's all you feed or you, if you only feed a raw diet, there's a lot of other nutrients that you're not feeding mm. and it can cause sometimes more harm than good. Right. Um, and then if, and then people who like to do that, like purely raw diets. I've seen some of those before. The same bacterial diseases that you can get from raw foods, so can your pet. Mm -hmm. And so there there are a lot of like misconceptions about, you know, big brands, bad for your pet. Like it's just not true. Mm -hmm. It's not true. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually like haven't heard that people not wanting to feed their No, I I've, I've heard it a lot. And like honestly, it was the whole like I said, it's the taste thing that really gets me because I'm like, bro, it's so nasty. Like yeah, I, but, I feel like but I understand like the nutrition's very important. Yeah, right? but and wolves eat dead carcasses that they catch and I, hunt up. Would you do that? that no. I would I wouldn't do that. But meat sounds a lot better than the pellets. I will like, say that. Raw meat I'm just thinking of okay, so like I'm a philosopher. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the ethical part of this. I personally find it very unethical to be forced fed like the same bland food every day. I feel like that's like making existence more suffering than it has to be. I would <laughs> I would counter that if you were giving your best selves the nutrition that you need, you would also eat a very strict regimented diet if you mm. were doing the best thing for your body. Yeah. And so as right. as wait, is this about to become a philosophical <laughs> talk? Because I'm, I'm I'm ready for it. So like, <laughs> as a caretaker, right. like your pet can't speak for itself, you care. You are the caretaker, uh -huh. giving your pet that regimented, healthy, mm -hmm. nutritious diet, right. like you should be doing for yourself, right. is really the best thing. Even if it sure. seems boring, that it's right. the same thing every day. In other words, eat better. No. No, I absolutely, I absolutely agree, but like just from my personal like perspective, I like I I completely agree with the fact that you should be feeding your dog dog food because that sounds like the most like scientific logical thing to do after hearing that. But I'm just personally saying I don't think a person should like even if it's very nutritious. I feel like it takes away like an aspect of life to only eat foods that aren't necessarily tasteful to yourself. And you're, there's no problem feeding a base of dog food that has uh -huh. all the nutrition your dog needs, and then boiling chicken and giving it to him as treats. Mm -hmm. Like you can is, still supplement with veggies, like raw veggies and boiled meats and stuff right. and give your dog the healthy diversity you want it to still have while still providing the nutrients that you want. The other big misconception is that expensive diets are mm -hmm. better than cheaper diets. Mm -hmm. I literally had someone tell me the other day that Purina can't be healthy for my dog because I buy it, I, I see it at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's that is another huge misconception that you have to buy really expensive tailored boutique diets uh -huh. to do right by your pet and mm -hmm. in some cases like the dilated cardiomyopathy that's nutritionally influenced you can be doing wrong by your pet by doing some of those other boutique diets and so right. 
it be, you know, it's just education really was what, what it boils down to. Sounds like it. That's a compromise I'm willing to make. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to argue with the science, especially because you're, I'm not even going to go there. I'm almost I, bad. I tr- almost. <laughs> much more than I am. I trust you. So you're talking, yeah. So she mentions dilated cardiac myopathy. I don't know if I said that correctly. Cardiomyopathy, yeah, you're close. You're dilated basically there. Cardiomyopathy. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> uh, because we were talking about it before you guys showed up for the recording. And so, uh, would you like to just expound on that a little bit? Yeah. So, dilated cardiomyopathy is a uh, disease in dogs, it's shortened to DCM, um, that can be caused by a lot of things, but um, specifically recently they've found that some diets are leading to this development of DCM in dogs. And so the FDA, you can look it up, the FDA put out a list of diets that have have proven records that dogs with DCM are like on these diets. Um, Diets like blue buffalo, um, I'll have to look it up to see the other ones, but they're, it's kind of, amazing how many of these common diets that you think are really healthy on the shelves are linked to this disease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, um, a lot of people thought it was taurine deficiency. A lot of people thought it was grain free that was doing it. And the reality is, is we don't know what's caught, what is in these diets or not in the diets that is causing the disease. But, um, the four big brands that I mentioned earlier, Purina, Royal Canin, Hills or Science Diets, and Imes and Yukonuba, those diets have not been linked and are scientifically backed like we were talking. And so every other diet, veterinary medicine is essentially treating like a suspect diet because we don't know. We just don't know. Um, and so it's this kind of scary phenomenon that's going on. And there's a lot of research going into it to figure out what it is. But until we know, it's hard to feel comfortable recommending anything but the ones that we know are safe. Absolutely. You know? Real quick, I, I also have the list pulled up here for the most Perfect. frequent DCMs. Uh, it's Akana, Signature, Taste of Wild, For Health, Earthborn, Holistic, and Blue Buffalo. Those are the top six. Top that, six. That have I think there's cases like reported. 20 or something. Yeah, there are, there are a lot here. There are yeah. a lot more here, but those but are like the biggest Taste of Wild ones. you hear about all the time. Blue um, Buffalo you hear, Buffalo all, the time. You hear about all the time. And it's like, mm. holy crap. Their food just has a really good marketing team. That's the main reason why yeah. so many people are like, oh, I'm going to feed the inner wolf of my dog. <laughs> and it's like, no, you're going to get a heart disease. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> like, that kind of sounds cool. Like, it's all marketing. Right, yeah. right. But I think, speaking of marketing, there's a few uh, pet food type startups like Wild Earth. Um, and New Road Foods is one of the female founder ones that I met in LA. But they try their foods before they give it to dogs. Which, I am a dog mom and I am an obsessive dog mom, so I kind of do the same thing. But, like, with their treats, the, the founder of Wild Earth will eat his treats first before he gives it to any other dog to, to basically show to the consumer base that it's okay to eat and it's good for technically good for humans but also really good for your dog um which again is boils down to kind of a you can trust me this is marketing kind of thing um but yeah i think a lot of the foods that are not good have really really good marketing and all the foods that are more trustworthy they're like it has science but it's also sold at walmart and so it's like yeah, the, she just listed Purina, yeah. which obviously right. sold at Walmart, but completely fine. Right. Yeah, so mm-hmm. is Hills. I think Hills yeah. is at Walmart, too. Yeah. Yep. So oh it's just... God. It's so difficult the trying perception. to, yeah, it's the yeah. perception and the way people view certain things that have nothing to do with the scientific consensus and trying to right. break through that and trying to actually like get the real right. science out there. Well, it's just like shampoo bottles and everything. Like anybody mm. can say we're the number one hair product. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do anything for that. Like we're the number one vitals monitoring device product. <laughs> 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 like 
we can say that, but like currently we have no proof to back that up. Like we are hopefully going to be getting into testing soon. Yeah. But you know, I think it's one thing that's really been iffy for the public of like, can I trust what they're actually saying? Like, mm-hmm. is there something backing it? And I think that's why, like with Blue, Blue Buffalo, they were so successful yeah. because they were like, we are doing the best things for your dog, but we also haven't tested what's in our food. Whereas like bigger mm-hmm. companies like Mars, which people try to normally stay away from because they're big companies can't afford to not do their research and they can't afford to just basically give a consumer trash. Yeah. Um, yeah. Huge liability. Yeah. And so is this like a huge urgent thing within the vet's life community that everyone's trying to like run and gun for, or is it just kind of like sitting in the background a little bit and kind of like waiting to see what happens? This diet thing. Yeah. 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 Um, we ask every patient that come or client that comes in with their patient, what food are they on? And if they are not on one of the top on one of the four that we recommend, we tell them they need switch to switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I just got off of the cardiology rotation in my mm-hmm. fourth year, and uh, it is a, almost every client I saw had their dog on something besides one of the top four. Yeah. And they and even the ones, and it's hard because they're it's hard to you know decipher through all the information that's out there, what's relevant and what's not. And even the some of the ones that were like, no, I mean, I looked it up, I I learned like saw the FDA thing. They were still on a different, a random diet, you know, that they thought they heavily researched. And it's like, it very well might be a really good brand. Mm-hmm. It's just, they don't meet the Wasaba guidelines and they, we don't know, right. you know? Yeah. And so it's, it comes down to a, do you want to risk it yeah. or yeah. not? You right. know, so. So earlier you stated something about the technology with animals being like 10 to 15 years behind humans. Yeah. And like talking about this diet stuff, it really reminds me of like the phenomenon of like people hyping up certain diets, like keto diets yep. or paleo diets, diets. So do you think it's kind of like a similar effect there? Yeah. And it's like even more delayed because it's your pet and not you. There's like fad. Uh, I that, think. Do you new- see a lot of that? Yeah, I think the nutrition side of things is less delayed because mm. we had, you know, the whole gluten-free fad that right. happened. Like now it's in pets. Everybody wants their really? pets on gluten-free diets. And it's, there is no evidence. There is no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is clear? There is absolutely none. Listen to this part. That a gluten-free diet benefits your pet. Like there is nothing out there that says that that is true. Mm. And so, um, but that's a perfect example of a fad that happened in, in our human industry that then translated over. Because people do. They care about their pets so much. And mm-hmm. they think, if this is good for me, then yeah, surely it's good for my dog. Um, to, a, to a fault sometimes. Right. Um, I think one thing that's absolutely insane is, like, um, it's cool that, like, SkyPause is on the same forefront, like, human medicine coming up with the wireless monitoring devices. But it's also absolutely insane that nothing has changed since the 1960s. The same this technology. The same yeah. vitals monitoring things that they hook you up to in the hospital, the only thing that's changed is the screens. Like, same exact they do pretty thing. pretty cool now. <laughs> <laughs> in the 1960s, like, people have thought this, like, why don't we do something? But no one has ever taken that step of, like, I'm gonna do something. You know? It's right. like, I want to be stuck in the same uh, routine that I've always been in because something different could basically be a downfall. Like, right. one thing for us is that um, veterinarians are very picky. And if you, like, hand them... reluctant to change. Reluctant to change. Yeah. But if you hand them something and it doesn't work, they are less likely to trust you to do it again. Yeah. Yeah, um, which is one thing that's been an interesting uh, dilemma for us. And like we have a lot of people that want to be early adopters and basically just take our device and run with it. But there's also a lot of people that are still iffy, iffy about mm-hmm. it. Um, so the same, the same monitoring equipment for humans that was designed for human patients is the equipment that we use for animals uh, mm. that's not designed 
for animals. Right. So that's why uh, the wires are such a problem. And so mm -hmm. our, our main value proposition is not that we have better sensors. It's that we're eliminating the wires okay, and we're creating an all-in-one device that's actually usable in our veterinary patients mm -hmm. designed with the veterinary patient in mind. And, and a lot of the medical devices that are created for humans again have to go through FDA and animal testing so animals are just kind of like this stepping stone but like the way the vision has shifted by different generations of focusing on your pet more so as a child than mm -hmm. as a dog um you're starting to see things cater more towards the, the pet mm -hmm. and so I think that's where the medical device sector is kind of going to where it's like okay well we have you know we have the outlets for babies we have um new vials marine devices for humans but now we're going to make this for animals um, which it, a lot of people think it's such a super small market, but if you think about it, there are so many people that have pets yeah. mm -hmm. and there are so many people that take their pets to the vet. Spay and neuters are pretty much required at this point in a lot of places, which you have to go under, under anesthesia for. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's a needed thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, no one has gotten there yet. Yeah, no, we, we have a, we have this like cat that kind of just adopted us. <laughs> so, I love so, that. Yeah, eventually we just like took her, took her like the free, it's free spaying neutering in Fort Worth, so mm -hmm. we just took her there, and then she ended up uh, biting one of the the veterinarians, mm -hmm. and so she had to go through all this just, rabies quarantine. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was <laughs> but no, yeah, because she was. I remember like when we held her, she was just fine, but when the vet tried to pick her up, she was like ah, all over. Yeah, the so yeah. I, I could definitely see like this is there something that's very needed, and mm -hmm. so. Um, you guys don't have to answer this if you can't. I don't really know how uh -huh. this works. But how does it work? Because when I yeah. When, yeah. when you guys said it, I was all like, okay, is it like just like a blanket you throw over to them? Yeah, or, great, or, yeah, yeah, great question. So the device is a two and a half inch disc, essentially. Mm -hmm. Think of like a hockey puck or if you're familiar with the glucometers that you, little discs that you put yeah. on your skin, something like that. Okay. So you place that disc against the patient's skin, against the dog's skin. Is there any place particular? The thorax is where thorax. we believe it will be most accurate. Mm -hmm. um, and then we will adhere it in some way, whether that be um, like tape that goes around the thorax and oh. tape it against the skin or maybe an adhesive on the device itself. Um, we're kind of playing with both options. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, the vitals will be picked up wirelessly by our sensors that then will be transmitted via Wi-Fi to our cloud-based system that displays the information on our website and application. From there, the veterinarian can access the data anywhere in the hospital or on their phone. And then um, the veterinarian can also set parameters, uh, highs and lows for specific vital signs that they want to be alerted by. So if that specific patient goes out of bounds, they'll get an alert. That's awesome. And that's how it works. So that way it like quickens the response time because minute one is very different than minute five yeah. if you're mm -hmm. not watching the patient. Mm -hmm. And so that's was the case for Charlie, yeah. sadly. So going back to the legal part, um, and yeah. if you guys don't know the answer to this, it's totally fine. But you said something about uh, it getting transferred to like cloud storage. So like how does that work like legally? Are there like, uh, like medical confidentiality stuff with so, animals as well that you have to be careful with that for? Yeah. So we don't have HIPAA. With, like humans do, right. where you can't just like display everyone's medical history. But um, the animal industry is moving kind of towards that. And so with us, like what we're doing is we're basically stripping the identity of the patient um, in the cloud. So um, you'll know it's a golden retriever and you'll know what its vitals are, but you're not going to know who owns it, what their phone number is, like everything else. Yeah. Mm. So like it'll tell you what cage it is or what specific device it is so that you know who you're looking at. But right. Okay. I had another question I forgot though. Uh, I think it was oh with the FDA that was another one. I'm really about yeah. the legal stuff today. Yeah. So like with the, with the FDA, 
um what's what's the approval process on that like is it none. very really none very so you don't there's no like with humans and cancer treatment you have to wait like years yep. here it's like instantly Cause really because cancer treatment is a pharmaceutical so pharmaceuticals oh, in the veterinary industry do have to go through right. that kind okay. of testing. But as far as devices go, you have to do some like safety testing, mm-hmm. but you don't, there is no FDA approval. Yeah. Right. Like the, the normal, normal FCC, like if the battery, like it's not going to explode kind of thing, like right. what you would do if you were transporting things across the border, but nothing mm-hmm. like seven years. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that must make it like a lot easier than to do everything because you don't have to yes. actually wait. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very much okay. so. Interesting. And it, it's very cool because... You know, like we said, the human industry is kind of moving this way too. But one thing that's really nice for us is that... They're slowed down. Yeah. A, they're slowed down. Um, B, because they're going through FDA, their devices can be way more expensive. Prices that veterinarians can't pay, so there's really no way that they would move back to the vet space and lower the price and then go back to their doctors in the human space and say, but you have to pay this price. Um, So it's really cool because we've gotten to network with a lot of um, people that are doing it on the human side. And we're running into the same problems and we're helping each other find solutions, but there's zero chance that there's going to be like spillage, um, which is really nice. We could move to the human side. If we wanted. But there's no, there's no incentive for them to move to the veterinary market because they'd have to lower their prices to make it affordable mm. for the veterinarians. It would be worth And they wouldn't make the money they needed for all the FDA fees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so we kind of got her... Slightly origin story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we go with yours, Brie? Yeah, for sure. So um, I did my undergrad here at Texas A&M, and then I went into veterinary school, and my second year of vet school, there's four years, it's like human med school, um, I went to the Veterinary Innovation Summit, which is one of the competitions we won. And I saw all this incredible stuff going on in the veterinary space, and it really just like got me so excited and enthusiastic about entrepreneurship and and uh, specifically within veterinary medicine. I had done some entrepreneurial things in my past in undergrad here. I started like a dog grooming company like out of my apartment. Um, I am a self-employed artist, so I do, I did like commissioned art pieces. She's amazing. Through, thank you, thank you. Through through high school and in undergrad um, and just some stuff like here and there. When I was really little, I bred guppies, like those little fish (laughs) in New Orleans. Like I had a fish tank and I bred these guppies and then I would like sell them to my friends. (laughs) So the entrepreneurship goes quite back, quite a ways back for me. Um, And so after that innovation summit, I was opened up to this world of possibility within this industry that I've fallen in love with because that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life is be a veterinarian. And so um, I just joined the Veterinary Entrepreneurship Academy, which is that academy we were both in, happened to be in at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so that was really coincidence that we happened to both be in that program at the same time and meet each other. And then I didn't have an idea. I had ideas, but not one that I thought I could do on my own for the idea competition because it was during the semesters. Mm -hmm. And vet school is like, sometimes you take as much as 26 hours at a time. And so... I didn't think I could do an uh, accelerator and competition on top of the curriculum. And so I didn't apply. And then Stephanie approached me about her idea. And I was like, here is this perfect opportunity to really make a difference in the industry. And I now have a partner that I can do it with. And so I'm not on my own. Um, And so I had with her original idea and how I, my clinical experience, we really formulated this, this product that I think, um, is a 
perfect, um, it fills the gap as far as where we have not had the ability to use this technology before. No, yeah. I'm just gonna brag on her art for a second. Art <laughs> 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 A little bit of a flex for her. Um, so a lot of the drawings that are on our pitch decks and um, still on our website, question mark? I update that all the time, but I don't remember what's left. Um, we always like revamp the website just to see what we get yeah. views-wise, so. Mm. Skypositivize.com. Skypositivize.com. <laughs> we also have social media, so follow us there. What is it? Um, Instagram is at Skypositivize, Twitter is at LLC, and then Facebook is facebook.com slash LLC. Boom. <laughs> I'm surprised I remembered those. They're very, they're different. Um, anyway, so um, she drew a lot of the initial graphics for the device. And so it was really cool because I had experience with CAD. And so I was able to do all yeah. the CAD stuff after she drew it. And so like just being able to see it kind of like our first 3D go design. together. Yeah. yeah. Our first 3D prints were horrible. So bad. They were, <laughs> we, we did them through the uh, Zachary Engineering Center okay, when it yeah, first yeah. opened. Okay. And like I had done 3D printing before, but like solid things. Like that's just about it. Like nothing that was as complicated as what we were trying to do. I don't think you would have known she had done 3D printing before. That is If we're being real, that's absolutely true. <laughs> So we'll, yeah. What was super cool though, I'll flex for Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> I love it, man. So she designed our first hardwired circuit board that okay. we had like some of our preliminary sensors attached really? to. And she yep. freaking soldered that shit together. And <laughs> I got kicked out of Zachary for that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, this was when we were in the semester long, the first competition. And like everyone just wanted a proof of concept, which makes sense. But I'm not an engineer. I am an animal science major. And I had learned some coding in high school, like Java and maybe a little bit of C, but like not, not a lot. Um, and so I was like, I think I can do this. And so the, my, <laughs> my, she just, shaking her head yes, no. shaking her head. So, um, that's why I was, it was asked like a question. Um, anyway, so, um, I, the, my science fair partner that I had, had done the code, but he also, like, he was experienced in coding, but, like, also was just a high school student at the time, so there were some, like, errors and stuff in there. And so when he gave me all the code back, because um, we went off to different colleges, um, it was a lot of mess-ups. And so I was like, I'm technically on schedule to graduate early, so what if I switch my major for a semester to engineering? So then I did. <laughs> it's amazing. So I took like a ton of coding. Well, I mean, I took like C plus plus, and then I took a. You said like, uh, what is it? Like, comp sci. Yeah, comp, comp sci. And uh, took those classes. Actually, did I got a B? I did decent. Um, That's good. But I ended up being able to put everything together and kind of do some like preliminary code where it like kind of showed up like it was it definitely was nowhere near what the final product is gonna be but it was something to be our proof of concept yeah it was it was enough (laughs) and that's that's all i needed but yeah so i had bought a soldering gun and i was uh they so they wouldn't let me in the edc because i wasn't technically an engineering major which was really annoying um So I got in one of their study rooms. <laughs> Wait, so it was your soldering gun, not Zachary? It was mine. Oh! <laughs> it, was it was mine. Um, and then one of the professors walks by and sees me attempting to solder <laughs> some <laughs> chips together and stuff. And he was very confused and told me I can't do that because I might set 
Zachary on fire. And I said, but I'm almost done. And he said, you need to leave. So, um, needless to say, it ended up getting done at my sorority house. But they don't need to know that. But the point is... And we're back. (laughs) So Stephanie did all this coding and the hardware for all of our prelim stuff, which was really pretty incredible. It looked like a spaghetti monster. It wasn't, like, it's not, it wasn't the best. But it, it got us 10 grand. It got us 10 grand. It got us 10 grand. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't even matter. And so now we're looking at hiring actual engineers, yeah. like, from a firm that are graduated and know what they're doing, because I don't. <laughs> yeah, so we won one more pitch competition, the Raymond Idea Challenge. That was three grand. That was last semester. And then yes. now the main goal is to uh, pitch to investors, okay. and we're asking for five hundred thousand in funding, which will take us to market. All right, so investors, yeah. if you hear this, yeah. five hundred thousand. Yes, and then we're also applying for the Rice Business Plan competition, which is really great. I like it's the application, and then you pitch once you get there. If you get into the pitch part, so yeah. hopefully we'll get into the pitch part. That's like all I'm looking forward to right now right. is the pitch part. But that one top prize is three hundred fifty thousand. Ooh. As, as an investment. It's like the mega evaluation. <laughs> and yeah. It's a big deal. So hopefully we get in and, and I would be thrilled if we just placed at that mm-hmm. competition. When would that be? The due date for the application is next week and then the actual competition is in March. Okay. Right. So. Time. <laughs> time. It goes away really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's one thing that like we've really had to be very good at time managing because before Skypause has gotten to this point, like I am in a sorority and and a student ministry, like I'm in things. And so being able to organize those things and still having that kind of college student life, like I'm not one to go party all the time, but like to still enjoy it and not to just be an adult already. Cause like they're Mm -hmm. like in the summers, it's a weird switch. Cause in the summers I work um, for Mars in Portland. And so all my coworkers are older than 35 and so being an adult there and then having to come back and be like, okay, so this is college. <laughs> Let's get back in that rhythm. Yeah. But um, that's something that we both really learned because I, I didn't know that there was a certain etiquette at business dinners. I didn't know that – I didn't know a lot. <laughs> like we, one, my boss, like we had meetings at breweries a lot sometimes, like some after work cocktail hour type meetings. I couldn't drink, but I also didn't know if I was able to get into the brewery. <laughs> so it, it was – it's very – it's a very interesting switch, but I am so grateful that I have both sides of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, have you ever like been approached or thought about joining a company that's already well established to further along the product? Uh, to further along Skypaws? Yeah. No, like, like or the another company. Oh, joining in the, just another company. Yes. To um, them. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say I would have the time to join another company right now. Um, I'm like down for like advice or like you know collaboration type mm-hmm. things but i wouldn't say like hopping into another business would be beneficial right now but and i think it's just and that's uh like if I, we did get approached for that like that would be very like how flattered yeah would, definitely really flattering but i like very humbly you know we're learning as we go kind of a thing yeah we and definitely don't have if to you together. have a product why do you have a good thing <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, like, right. well but like there's we're still figuring out as we go along our process. And so we could help with like the earlier stages, but it'd be hard for us to jump in and it have to be the right phase of a, yeah. So the answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> but if a company like were to like Brie and I, like we're on, we're both on the same page of like 
wanting to exit one day. Like, this isn't, like, a lifestyle company that we're going to, like, stay in until we die. Right. Like, if we were to get acquired or, like, exit into a bigger, like, IDEX or something like that, then we would both be okay if it were for, like, the right reasons and, like, you know. Everything like, consulting at that point. Yeah. I think the question was, have we been approached before? Oh, no. Not if we were approached, <laughs> would we? Yeah. Oh. I would love to help people. Yes. Help with that, like questions that they have about early startup phases and stuff like that. Like that would be awesome. Have we been approached? No. Yeah. I think the closest thing to like another company that I've been like, I wouldn't say approached, but I was in Aggie's Invent. And, yeah. And then the company that we created during Aggie's Invent, was they were very gung-ho about wanting to continue. And I was like, <laughs> and <we've>, sorry. <laughs> and we've done talks, like we've mentored and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Oh, so well. we've definitely helped um people that have ideas like get started um yeah but even just want to get started in entrepreneurship period like we've gone like you know vet school students are still very new to it and like animal science students um like in my i guess year are very like i'm either a veterinarian or i'm nothing at this point because they're trying to get their gpa high enough to be a veterinarian and sometimes veterinarians get in this habit of that's all I can do. Yeah, I think the mentality is is I've spent so much money and so much time and I've invested into this doc veterinarian degree that I'm going to go out and be a veterinarian and that's all I'm going to be. And then they get like um I don't know if you guys have heard but veterinary medicine has like the highest suicide rate of all oh, of I did not know that. Yeah, and so I think it's because people get so and 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 I'm speculating, mm-hmm. but I think it's because people get so locked into like, this is what I have to do every day of my life forever. And then you get a lot of the people that want to help pets are very like emotional and empathetic people to begin with. And it, this kind this industry can be very draining mm-hmm. when you're dealing with people's pets and lives every day. And so, um, what I think if we exposed veterinarians while they're in school and learning to like this spectrum that's available, then they wouldn't feel so stuck when they get out and maybe we could alleviate some of that tension. And so that's what, one of the things I implemented in veterinary school was a veterinary innovation and ambassador position in our um, business management association in the vet school because I thought if I had no idea that all this stuff was going on in the industry entrepreneurial-wise and I thought if we could show these early vets, these people that are still learning on, on what they want to do, what the possibilities are that, and get them exposed to it early, then maybe when they go out, they'll remember, oh yeah, there's all this other stuff that I can do mm-hmm. with this DVM besides just the day-to-day veterinarian. I think that one thing that's been really exciting for the both of us is like seeing veterinarians that still are in that mindset of like, I need to keep doing this and then being able to expose them to entrepreneurship and just seeing that light up and that like oh. refreshing like, I can do this. Like I can do other things. Like, Oh, I've had this idea for years. Like this is what's going to bring me to at least attempt it. Yeah. And so that's one thing like that we've seen over and over. That's just absolutely amazing. Like mm-hmm. one of my favorite parts of where well, we are. You guys are definitely just like trailblazing and you start right. a whole position over. Like that's absolutely amazing. It's yeah. insane. I was going to, um, I want to ask, so this whole thing seems very ambitious, incredibly ambitious from the start. So what's like the long-term goal, not just for like this brand or anything, but just for like, things in general like do you do you see yourself trying to do more like helping pets in general or are you trying to I guess like revolutionize the way the whole industry works like what's the long-term goal for y'all I mean it'd be nice to revolutionize something that's just (laughs) a cool cool thing anyway um I think personally I have come to terms with like I mean yes I'm young yes I'm still a student 
And I know that being the CEO now does not mean I'm going to be the CEO in the next 10 years because there's so many more people that are so knowledgeable that could take Skypaws where it needs to go. And I'm very mission-based when it comes to Skypaws and like just helping pets and helping other people through that. Um, and if someone else could do a better job than me, then like take it. Like I want to see it go. Um, so personally, like if, if someone else were to be the CEO and like kick me out, like as long as Skypaws still went, I would feel good. Um, so personally, yeah, like just keeping, I don't want to, I keep on, sorry, this is bad. There's a Mars logo. It's like making a better world for pets and I'm refraining from saying that. So I'm not like trying to brand myself with them. Um, (laughs) it's a great mission statement. Um, but basically just advancing the health of animals and by the proxy advancing the health of people. Um, which is just, I don't know. It's, I think for Brie and I both, like the mission of Skypaws, it, like, it's not just the device. It's just not like, you know, we're two females being founders. Woo. Like it's not, it's not the titles anymore. It, and like, again, like at the beginning for me, it was all about the title, but now it's more so of like, if this is going to help somebody, then I want it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for me, I think it's, um, you know, like Stephanie said earlier, this technology hasn't been touched since it was developed in the 1960s. And I think there's a lot in the veterinary industry that hasn't been disrupted. And so I think if I could, the fact that I get to be uh, like a trailblazer is, for me, it's very um, rewarding. And mm-hmm. then I'm hoping that by doing this, um, I want to stay in this kind of um, creating new ideas and technologies for veterinary medicine space to some extent as I go through my career. And then I can hopefully lead by example and show that like you don't have to stay in your box and you can Mm -hmm. do whatever it is that you want to do, um, even if it seems just so outrageously impossible to do. Because you would, if you had asked me two years ago, are you going to start a company and win 30000 <laughs> I wouldn't be like, like no, what? <laughs> you sure you know who you're talking to? And what is a venture capitalist? Like, yeah. I don't even know. So um, I think it just goes to, I'm, I hope that I can be an example for future veterinarians and current veterinarians and then also continue to shape veter- the standard of veterinary care to be even better. Mm-hmm. Alright, those amazing messages and words that we called a, a recording. A recording sounds good. So, um, you guys want to give a quick outro? Anything? Uh, just promote anything? Um, yeah, I mean, visit our website if you want to become a Skypaws Insider and get like the up-to-date news on us. Just click I want to be on the newsletter and fill out your email and I will add you to it. Um, but thank y'all for listening. It's really yeah. meaningful. Thank you guys for listening. It's been another great episode of Tandem Discussions. Thanks for having us. <laughs>